if you're going to build a Web3 application or company, um, it's a it's very very important to ask yourself, um, you know, why am I using blockchain technology? Am I doing it because blockchain technology is all the rage, or am I doing it because the blockchain technology genuinely makes a better product that um, creates value? You know, um, if you can build a if you can build your project on a database. Um, and it's going to work better, then you should probably build it on a database, <laughs> you know? Hey everybody, Tanner here with Wagme Ventures. On today's episode, we have Mark Sheckleton, co-founder and CEO of SmartSeal. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagme Ventures podcast, where we do snapshots with interesting founders from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it with Mark from SmartSeal. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with Mark Sheckleton, co-founder and CEO of SmartSeal. Uh, Mark, how's it going today? Good. How are you? Yeah, doing good. I'm, I'm pumped to chat here and I know we've got a lot to talk about. So why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to uh, building what you're building with SmartSeal? Yeah. Um, so you know, I have an interesting background for someone in the crypto space. I spent 16 years in uh, aerospace uh, before before getting into this, but uh, my background though is in mathematics and engineering, so I've got a, um, a mathematics degree. Um, and past ten years, been doing um, software and hardware engineering um, in the aerospace. Um, well, actually, before not past ten years, before Smart Seal, I was doing. Uh, I did spent ten years in the uh, aerospace engineering. Um, so I was really into cryptography since before even cryptocurrency came out, um, you know, in the late nineties and early two thousands, I was um, doing a lot of studying and, and software development in that, in that space. Um, and then, um, so, you know, working in, in aerospace, you're always cognizant of, of like supply chain things and where, where the parts are coming from and, you know, traceable traceability, um, especially with, with jet engine components that I was working with. Um, so it always had me thinking about, um, you know, ways to streamline, streamline these kinds of, uh, you know, these kinds of things. And, um, at the time I, uh, I was working with my now co-founder, um, Chizzy, Chizzy Uwaga. Um, and he was, he's a mechanical engineer. He was working in the Orion space program. Um, and, you know, we were, um, we were doing some, some entrepreneurial work on the side and, um, he had, he had come to me, he was saying that, um, he was making some, um, African leather products, um, from Nigeria and bringing them to the United States. And one of the issues that he was running into was that there were, um, it was really difficult to differ for a user to differentiate the difference between uh, a counterfeit like leather product and a legitimate one. There was really no traceability. Interesting. There. So he, he asked me, you know, can you come up with a circuit or a chip or something that we can put in these products that can give some kind of assurance to the end user as to where it came from. And um, so I thought about that a lot. It was, this was back in, you know, 20, 
2018 was when I was thinking about this. Um, and, you know, we came up with a few different solutions. Um, so one of them was like an e-ink display with a QR code that would change and it was time synced with the server, but that didn't like really go through the wash very well. <laughs> and uh, so we, we found some, some new NFC technology and we were looking at um, near field communication adoption rates um, and how they were growing. And we thought, hey, this is like a really good opportunity, really well-timed. Um, so we started doing some development work around that because the NFC chips are, are great for that application. You know, they're flexible and they're durable. You can run them through the wash and you don't need a battery to power them. So they, they basically last indefinitely. Um, and so the, the new chips that we started playing with, we're like, wow, we can do digital signatures with this. Um, you know, this is really great stuff. So, um, we ended up realizing, you know, this was the product, this was the opportunity here. And, um, and then combining it with blockchain was the next logical step, you know, being able to create these secure, immutable, um, digital deeds for, that are like cryptographically connected to a physical product was, was really, um, you know, an amazing product that at the time no one had ever done. So, uh, we, we created the, the code to make that happen and the platform to manage that. And, uh, in 2020, we ended up leaving our jobs, raising some money and, um, you know, we've been working on it from there. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So this has come together as smart seal. Uh, how do you describe the company to someone who's brand new to the concept of NFTs, for example, and how that interacts with near field communication? Uh, maybe versus someone who's a little more crypto native and kind of will, will kind of get, uh, at least the, the technological component behind it. Yeah. Um, well, I usually say, you know, that we give brands a turnkey solution for combating counterfeits and collecting post-sale products and experience data, and then turning products into experiences. So behind the scenes, we use, um, NFC, we use NFC chips to do this. And behind the scenes, they're linked to records of ownership and origination on the blockchain, otherwise known as NFTs. Um, so yeah, depending on who we're talking to, um, that, you know, we'll, we'll either use that, that terminology or not. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, bad juju around the, the, the word NFT sure. sometimes yeah. depending on who your audience is. So, you yeah. know, one of the, one of the things that we, are super proud of is that is that we can make this technology work using blockchains using nfts and the end user doesn't even know that they have an nft um so so in that respect we we say we use the words digital deed you know digital certificate of ownership um and and i think that's a, a really great way to really just describe what the technology is and and the benefit of that you know the value of this um of this technology doesn't come from, you know, the speculative nature of a, of a digital um, asset. It's, it's the, the, the assets physical and the digital record just shows where it came from and who owns it. Um, so, so really the value comes from the utility and not so much the collectible nature of, of the NFT. Yep. Super interesting. So, I am, I mean, it is fascinating kind of this possibility of basically proving authenticity and, you know, 
through that reducing counterfeits through uh, through smart seals. So I guess before before we dig in a little bit more on that, can you can you talk about what kind of second order changes could be affected in the world if smart seal became more widely adopted? Like what would what would change if you know, 10% of enterprises use something like this in their supply chain or something. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I don't know if you've seen uh, counterfeiting statistics, but like 3.3% of world trade is counterfeit. I mean, it's massive. And oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's like a, yeah, it's like over a six, it's like over $600 billion problem. And um, in a lot of, a lot of that money is, is used for, uh, illegal activities. It's used to fund, you know, arms movement. It's used to fund human trafficking. Um, it's it's not great. Um, so being able to like take a huge bite out of that is very exciting for us. Um, so I think that's one of the most immediate um, benefits. And and then to brands themselves, you know, brands are you know constantly fighting counterfeiters, and the counterfeiting technology that's out there right now is very. Um, you know, probabilistic and, and people are still missing, um, missing counter, like people who are trained in detecting counterfeits are still missing them. Um, and it's hurting brands, it's hurting consumers. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, being able to solve that problem and give consumers and brands the assurance of, um, of, of, of originality and authenticity is really, is really a great, um, it's really a great thing. I'm th- trying to think of how to s- explain this. Um, so stock, like if you look at stock X and the real real and eBay, they have like third party authenticators that are working for them. So if you want to resell an item, um, you have to ship it to someone who's going to look at it. They're going to smell it. They're going to check it under a microscope. And, and even then like 10% of the counterfeit items still get through those, those checks. Um, and, and that's, you know, that, that dilutes the, um, the, the value of what people already own, what collectors own, they spend money on, on, um, valuable products, and then those products get reduced in value, they get diluted by counterfeits out there. Right. Um, so being able to, to fix that, I think, is is important for yeah brands and consumers alike. Yeah, super interesting. So uh, I'm especially curious here for a project like this. What were some of the early challenges? Were they have they been kind of more technical in nature, or maybe more business challenges? And how did you and your team sort of think about solving for those challenges? So there, yeah, there's, there's a lot of technical challenges specifically around the logistics of blockchain connected physical assets. Um, so first, one of the first challenges we noticed is that blockchains are, um, are not very reliable if you're trying to, um, generate thousands of NFTs an hour on the fly on a production line without any delay, you know, um, they really, we really hadn't seen, um, robust, a robust chain that could handle that kind of, um, volume, um, and not have like hung transactions and things. Um, so, um, 
we also noticed that there were there were a lot of um, differences in the way that people wanted to actually implement the technology. So a lot of uh, brands would say we want to do something that where we want to sell an NFT first and then have them redeem the use that NFT to redeem the physical product. Or um, some brands would what would want to do a bunch of unique assets um, instead of identical assets. So solving for all those different use cases and all those all the logistics surrounding that was super tricky. It was a technical problem. Um, it was a logistical problem that we solved technically by creating um, encoders that we ended up sending to the factory. So when you when we create these NFC encoders that, that are installed in factories, um, it really gives the brands a flexibility to approach their um, you know chip encoding and, and blockchain connecting strategy um, in, in the way that they really want to do that. Um, and and it also it gives us the ability to scale very quickly because um, from a from a business standpoint, um, you know we we make our money by selling as many tags as possible, and to be able to scale to the the numbers of tags that are going to make this successful, um, we can't be sitting here in house and programming them ourselves. We have to turn over the capabilities of encoding these tags. Um, to the manufacturers. And so that's exactly what we did. And that's, that has really opened us up to being able to um, handle hundreds of thousands of tags being, being encoded per day. We have the, the capability right now to encode that at that volume. Um, and that's, that's really something that um, that's important for, from a business perspective, um, being able to, to handle those kinds of volumes. So um, the, the encoders really solved a lot of the problems surrounding logistics and volume. Yeah, super interesting. So similar question here. What stood out as most surprising in this work of building Smart Seal? Where, you know, maybe surprising about building in this space or just building in general, um, this particular company. Any, anything come to mind as, as especially surprising? I would say that um, what what was surprising to us was that the early adopters of this technology um, were small brands and startups. Um, the larger manufacturers, the ones with the problems, are really the slowest to adopt this kind of technology. Yeah, that makes a ton of yeah. sense. It's actually that's a, that's a thing I was curious about too. Is like average response from brands when you're talking with them about smart seal is, is the value obviously awesome to them, but it's, it's okay. It might be more of a logistic issue on their end of like, okay, how do we implement this into a really complex manufacturing process or whatever their production process looks like? Uh, or does it require some education? I, I guess I'm curious how that typically goes with the, um, what sounds like was your kind of earliest segment you were targeting, which was, sounds like maybe larger, larger organizations. Right. Um, so the, the larger organizations are, are, are our ideal customer. Um, but with a large organization, there's a tremendous amount of risk with implementing a very new technology like this. Um, so you have to know that it works. So you have to be assured of the use cases and assured that there's going to be value and assured that you can um, pass on 
the cost of the tags to the consumer and that, and that it's going to, um, it's going to make the consumer want to buy more product. Um, so one of the ways we do that, we add a lot of value to the tag. So it's not just counter, it's not just authentication. Uh, we like to say it's authentication plus, you know, we can, can collect post-sale consumer data based on the scans and, um, we can create one-to-one marketing channels through the tags to be able to push interesting offers and experiences to the end consumer. And we've seen that that has been um, something that, that that's enough to sort of push the needle um, in the, in the cost benefit analysis to um, have brands want to adopt this kind of this technology. So, um, you know, the small, smaller brands, they can afford to, um, take the risk and try, try out new things. Um, larger brands, they want it, you know, perfect right out the door because it reflects how that, it reflects the, that brand itself. And, um, and they want to know that it's going to work and, um, just kind of going through that process takes a lot of uh, time and effort. Um, but you know, it's kind of exciting and 2022 has been a really exciting year for NFC technology. We're seeing um, more and more brands adopting this type of, you know, post-sale consumer experience through digitally connected clothing. And, you know, the trend is only growing. So, you know, the um, it, it's it's becoming easier um, to, to pitch this technology to brands. Um, because they're really looking for this kind of added value now. Love it. Yeah. So I read somewhere you'd use the word uh, fidgetal, kind of uh, spelled P-H-Y-G-I-T-A-L, kind of this portmanteau between physical and digital. So right. uh, I have to imagine you've seen you've seen a lot of projects in that space, uh, kind of that intersection. So one, th- one thing I thought might be interesting is who you've been kind of inspired by or who you look up to in this kind of hybrid web three meets physical world intersection or the digital intersection, as you kind of put it, anything on that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, digital's digital is a, is a really large encompassing term. So, um, generally speaking, it means, you know, a, um, having a physical product with some kind of, um, digital twin or digital representation or digital experience that's associated with that particular asset. Um, and I think who's doing a really good job right now is like Nike and artifact. Um, they've got some really great, great stuff going on with, with, uh, augmented reality, um, you know, and, and getting connecting physical items to the metaverse. Um, it's a, it's a very, very, bleeding edge frontier. Um, but I think it, it kind of shows the capabilities of what's possible with this kind of tech. So it's, we get excited when we see that kind of stuff pop up. Yeah. I love it. So Mark, two questions here, maybe as we kind of start to wrap up, uh, first question would be your most generalizable advice for founders building, uh, whether directly in web three or, um, utilizing the technologies of web three, uh, based on your unique story and kind of your unique approach, what advice would you give to you joining the space, uh, say in 2023? 
Um, I would say that um, if you're going to build a Web3 application or company, um, it's a it's very very important to ask yourself, um, you know, why am I using blockchain technology? Am I doing it because blockchain technology is all the rage, or am I doing it because the blockchain technology genuinely makes a better product that um, creates value? You know, um, if you can build a if you can build your project on a database. Um, and it's going to work better then you should probably build it on a database, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so if, if, if you, you know, adding web three tech is amazing. Um, but you need to make sure that, that you're building on the, um, technological benefits of it, the technological benefits of your, of your web three project are gonna, are gonna be what adds value and not just what adds hype. Yeah, um, and then I guess the other piece of that is, um, you really if you if you want to um, make a Web three product, um, Web three, uh, you know, people who have MetaMask wallets or understand crypto, it's still a very small market. So if you want to be successful in it, you have to figure out a way to make it accessible to um, the mass market by, in a lot of ways, abstracting. Um, that sort of blockchain technology key management away from the end user. And there's some really interesting technologies that are popping up that allow um, that to happen now. So, Yeah, super interesting. So, Mark, what's your team working on right now and what's the best way for people to follow along on the journey? Um, you know, right now we are, uh, we're, we got our heads down. We're working on some really exciting projects. Um, I can't talk about them at the moment, but um, if you keep uh, if you follow us on Twitter at um, smart underscore seal, um, you, you know you'll be able to see these projects as they get released. Um, you know we we just finished um, launching the first physical NFT sold on Amazon, which is the Unicorn Steves. Uh, it's a pl collectible plushie project. Um, you know, you buy the unicorn and there's, um, there's a, like unicorn jokes associated with it. You scan the tag and we'll, we're adding gamification to it. So it's a super fun project. Um, but on top of that, you know, we're getting into um, doing some bigger projects with toys um, and some luxury goods um, and, uh, and a project coming up with uh, a, a music artist um, that's a, a fidgetal project as well. So that's all to come um, in the next uh, quarter or so. So, you know, keep following us and um, there's going to be some neat things coming up. Love it. Mark, thank you so much for the time. Really interesting. And I'm excited to see all the cool stuff happening over the next few months and uh, rest of the year and to come. So thank you for the time and uh, have a great rest of your week. Well, thank you, Tanner. It was great speaking with you.